Smarties, today we are super excited to welcome back my ed therapist, clinic director, Eric Kaufman. Today, Eric breaks down our formula for effort, which is engagement plus problem solving equals effort. We talk about how to see if a learner has engaged and problem solved their way through a challenging task. And we also dig into how time and effort are not correlated. In the meantime, before you listen into this episode, as a reminder, both my ed therapist and CAP Educational Therapy Group are hiring educational therapists and learning specialists locally to our offices. If you live within 30 minutes or so of my ed therapist in Redondo Beach, California, and CAP Educational Therapy Group in Beverly Hills, California, please reach out to us via our websites. You can go look at what we're looking for on our websites, which are www www.myedtherapist.com and www.capedtherapy.com. That's cap with a K. And we are excited to meet with you and chat with you and see if you could be potentially a good fit for either one of our practices. Now let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 192 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we are so happy to welcome Eric Kaufman back to the podcast. He is the clinical director at My Ed Therapist, my practice in Redondo Beach. And we're just so happy to have his brilliance. Well, I love talking to Eric because you're conscientious, you're coming at it from a different perspective than sometimes Steph or I are. Mm -hmm. And it's equally fun to talk to you as it is for me to talk to Steph because you're interested in all the things that we're into. So when we talked about doing this episode, we were both like, Eric. Eric, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you both for having me back. I appreciate the kind words and everything and ready to get going. Yeah. Well, will you tell the audience a little bit about yourself in case they haven't listened to your other episode? And we'll link his previous episode in the show notes as well. Great. So my name is Eric. I'm the clinic director at My Ed Therapist, and I'm also an educational therapist in Redondo Beach. I work with a little over 20 students right now, boys and girls, but mostly middle school, high school, and a few college students who struggle with school. A lot of what we do is focusing on executive function skills, as well as some writing, some reading, and things like that. Perfect. And if you are new to the field or you don't know, 20 hours a week for an ed therapist is more than full-time. Yeah, it's great. I honestly love it, though used to be a teacher, and it's just a great way to work with kids one-on-one and still have an impact on their lives. I love that. Also, we're both hiring, so if you are an Eric out there, please get in touch with us at Cap Ed Therapy and my ed therapist, because we're both hiring. All right. We want like 10,000 Erics on the team. <laughs> yeah. So Eric, I'll let you sort of take it away. We wanted to talk a little bit about how to tell if a learner is trying. Because I think as ed therapists, we think about this a little bit differently than parents do. So tell us your thoughts. Sure. So yeah, sometimes it's hard to find out if your child is really trying or if they're just giving up in the face of adversity. Or if they, you know, maybe it's math homework and math is their least favorite subject and they're just giving up without putting in the effort. So 
You know, I actually started off thinking about this by looking up the definition of try and the definition of effort. And basically what I found is in order to count as trying or effort, you have to put in some time. It has to be a vigorous attempt. So there has to be some exertion of effort or some exertion of power in order for it to really count. Okay. So some effort to really count. Now, here's the thing. That can really be subjective. Yes. It looks different than what adults sometimes think it should look like, right? And we don't want to should all over ourselves. We can't should all over ourselves, but we've got a teacher's version, a parent's version, a student's version. How to know, gauge what is actually a vigorous attempt for that learner specifically. Right. And so this is also going back to if you have multiple children, if you're a teacher or a parent, they're running their own race. Mm-hmm. So I'm just putting that out there to just sort of like level the playing field of expectation, making sure that you're setting appropriate expectations for that individual learner, student, child, Mm -hmm. family member. And so I think before we sort of dig into all of this, we wanted to kind of set the stage a little bit and just say that the three of us wanted to chat about this from a place of compassion and empathy and less of a place of judgment and frustration, even though all three of us would readily admit that it can be frustrating. Yeah, and not from a place of being accusatory, because there are a lot of times where it could feel like people in general are accusing someone else of not giving it their full effort. And what we're trying to break down is how do we really know if that effort is appropriate for that situation and that learner. Right. So how do we determine that, Eric? So Loaded question. (laughs) It is, yeah. I think one of the first things to consider is how interested in this topic or in this event or wherever this effort needs to be placed, how interested is your child in this? As we know, if it's something that they're really interested in, the level of effort, the level of engagement is going to be way higher versus if it's a really difficult subject or a subject that maybe they find boring, or maybe it's with a teacher that they don't exactly love in school. Right. So that's really, I think, step one. Yeah. So their effort might look different for the video game tournament versus the math homework. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. From there, I think it's then time to take a step back and decide, okay, when my child got stuck, what did they do? In order for some effort to be seen here, that means they have to have attempted some type of problem-solving approach. So maybe they have a tool that they could have used. Maybe they just advocated for themselves and asked for help. Mm. Those are types of things to look for when you're trying to figure out and asking yourself if my child really put in some effort. I think that's a really good thing to think about, right? Did they advocate for themselves? Because that does count as effort. I don't think that we think about that. We think about effort as trying on your own. And we're not talking about the kid who says, I didn't know how to do this. I'll just ask the teacher every time tomorrow in class, or I'll just wait for my tutor to explain it to me. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, was the math homework confusing? And the learner emailed the teacher saying, I really didn't understand. Can I come in tomorrow? Especially if that learner was not one who was advocating for themselves prior. Right. That's a huge growth. That's true. I think another part of this too is to find out if they understood the directions. And that could be part of self-advocacy as well as asking a parent or asking a teacher a question about the directions. Because sometimes our students at least will 
think they understand the directions and create this whole issue in their mind that, oh, this is going to be so hard. I, I just can't do this and shut down. When in reality, maybe they shouldn't fully understand what they were being asked. And if they ask for some clarification and really understand the directions, they might find that it's a little bit easier than they first anticipated. What I love to do is to reflect back mm-hmm. and take the student back to that moment. Remember what it felt like when you first started this? How do you remember feeling? How do you feel now? How did it actually feel doing it? So that they can recognize that their brain is getting hijacked. Mm. Sometimes I need some help recognizing that my brain is getting hijacked. I like that phrase, Steph. Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks for that. Yeah. So we can't always be our best every single day. And that goes for adults. That goes for students. It goes for everyone. So going back to what we said before, when it comes to effort, it might look different on different days. Maybe there's like some anxiety or some stress or relationship stuff. Like life is hard. I think we can all agree on that. So that's something to keep in mind too. If you feel like your child isn't putting in their best effort, maybe something happened in school. Maybe they got in an argument with a friend and all that stuff is important, could impact how much energy they can really put into their homework or to a project or an essay. I mean, it depends on the day for me. It depends on the day for everybody. Okay, so taking that into account. We came up with a formula for effort, which is engagement plus problem solving equals effort. So let's say that again. We've got engagement plus problem solving equals effort. So let's like define each piece because I think we've talked about it, but I think we are talking about engagement is acknowledging the assignment, right? Yeah. Acknowledging the assignment. Did you understand the directions? And even also it relates to the interest level, I think, in the topic. There you go. And then problem solving is, did you do something to work through whatever is keeping you stuck? Exactly. Yeah. So did they use a tool when they were feeling unmotivated or stuck? For our students who work with us through educational therapy, they have a bunch of tools. Parents too, if they're working with tutors or educational therapists or teachers even equip students with many tools, you have to find out what did they try to get themselves unstuck. And then that equals their effort. Effort doesn't always look the same and can't be measured with the same parameters for every kid, every subject, every situation. Your child might have a lot more effort in a subject that they enjoy, like we've talked about, or something that's not school-related, but that doesn't mean that they have to have the same level of effort that they put into video games into school. Right. And I know a lot of parents feel like, well, they put so much effort into video games, if only they put it into school. Well, as we inherently believe that students will do things if they can and if they're easy. It's all about building the effort muscle. On things that are uncomfortable. Yep. It's doing that push-up when you do zero push-ups. Doing one is a huge win, even if they do 10 push-ups to extend the metaphor when it comes to video games. Right. It's all about starting small. Say that again. It's all about starting small, small steps, baby steps. But seriously, that's how we build momentum is by starting small and getting those small wins and building momentum to the future. And it's that snowball that we've talked about. Exactly. Yep. And another thing with effort too is like time and effort don't always go together. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, which is interesting because sometimes they do and other times time and effort really don't go together. It's true. 
let's give an example. A student who spends six hours studying for a final mm-hmm. and gets a C mm-hmm. versus a student who spent 20 minutes studying for a final, let's say, gets a C. Mm-hmm. So the effort looked different, but it had the same result because it was two different learners. Or if we're saying effort was 20 minutes and they got an A, okay, it's just knowing what it looks like specifically for that situation, subject, learner. Like there's so many variables and helping your learner understand that it's not time bound as well, that like studying for six hours is not going to help you do better than if you do a productive two hours, let's say. It's really about teaching them the differences. And sometimes I think that students just think that time is the definition of effort. I think so too. And I don't think it's just students who think that. I think it's what parents are looking at. And I think it's what teachers are often looking at. A very early on example, we had to read 20 minutes every night in elementary school. Remember that? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't quantified by how many pages we had to read or what we were getting out of the reading. It was time. Why? Because time is easily quantifiable for us, for adults. I think what we're talking about is quality over a quantifiable amount of time. And then you also add in the fact that, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, that our learners do not feel time the same way somebody else might feel time. Because time can be felt differently. Right. You can't quantify time with effort also, because what you might feel is 20 minutes may feel like six hours to somebody else. So I understand what you're saying, that there's not a magic number or a magic formula for any of this. It's just indicative of before we started recording this episode, we all spent 20 minutes trying to narrow this down and figure out the word for problem solving. Mm -hmm. Because we wanted to be able to synthesize this simply with our formula of engagement plus problem solving equals effort equals a try. Mm Mm-hmm. But we're trying to take this really complex, multi-layered idea and just explore it a little bit more to have a broader conversation with our learners about our expectations and what we want to be observing and what we want to be seeing. And that's part of the problem is it's only observation. We can't be inside their bodies, but we can see the output. And usually it's in that problem-solving I would say for a lot of our students, it's that problem solving piece is the piece where we come in and support them. Yeah. That's why we're there. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Going back to what Steph said too about studying, like we always teach our students study hacks that they don't have to spend six hours or feel like they have to spend six hours studying for a test. That's a huge amount of time. I would never recommend any student to study for six hours for a test. And instead, let's cut that time down and use a study tool that actually lets us Mm -hmm. master and understand the material much more quickly. So from someone's outside point of view, they might be like, you studied for an hour for that giant test. How's that possible? Well, if you have the right tool and you use some good study techniques, yeah, it's totally possible. A hundred percent possible. And Mm -hmm. we definitely have discussed this at length with Rishi's episodes, which are some of our most popular episodes, which we'll link in the show notes because he talks about how the brain really can't handle six hours of studying at all. And there is an optimal amount of time for the brain 
to actually be taking in information and processing it and then using it on a test. So we will link those episodes in the show notes as well. If you haven't listened to Rishi's episodes, highly recommend. In fact, we should probably try to get him on the podcast again, Steph. Yeah, you should reach out to him. Yeah, I will. So our formula for effort is engagement plus problem solving equals effort. Eric, when there is a breakdown in this formula, either a learner didn't engage or they didn't attempt to problem solve it, and therefore we can't say, well, they tried, how do you approach that? From a parent's point of view, it might be time for some type of conversation with your learner because it's an opportunity for reflection, right? For the learner to take a chance to step back and ask themselves, did I try? Did I put in effort? So parents, like, obviously we know this can be a really sticky, a really tough conversation. I always find it's really effective to start these conversations off by first coming from a place of empathy and compassion, as we said before, but also putting the conversation into your child's court. So I like the idea of coming up to them and saying something like, hey, I want to have a conversation with you about school. When is it going to be a good time for you? This way, you're not like cornering them or catching them off guard. And it really puts them in control of the conversation. Maybe with some parameters, you can say, like, I really would like to have this conversation with you sometime today when it's going to be a good time for you. Yeah, I love that. And I think we can... That works in relation... That works I, in I, like... That's exactly where I was yeah. going. <laughs> life thing, for sure. It's good. <laughs> that is a life tip with romantic partners as uh-huh. well. <laughs> that's exactly where I was going. Like, this is a good thing to do too. <laughs> so then you've scheduled the conversation. Everybody can emotionally prepare. What happens at that point? It's also a chance too to share some of your story with your child and compare your life to theirs because we've all been in situations where it's really hard to muster up some effort and maybe we give up. It's a chance to maybe share a story about your own personal experience with school from any time throughout life, whether it's when you were really young or in college or whenever. So after you maybe make a connection with them and share a challenge or an issue that you had with effort, it's a chance to ask for their point of view, giving them agency and ownership in this conversation. So asking them like, okay, so like what went wrong? Did you engage in this? Did you understand the directions? Or asking them like, what? Did you understand the assignment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then going on to the problem solving part of our formula, it's like, what did you do to try to get yourself unstuck? Or if you were just feeling really unmotivated, okay, like what did you do to try to create some motivation and get yourself going? Yeah. What was hard? Sometimes what was hard can answer a lot of questions. Really opens up the doors. But the point is, I think when you're having these conversations, first of all, we are often involved in these conversations with our learners. Sometimes we advise them to bring their parents in because one of the beautiful byproducts, as we always say, of good educational therapy intervention is that family and home life improves as a result. This is an example of one of those moments where family and home life can really improve because we can find a deeper level of understanding, not just for parent with learner, but for learner with their parent as well. A big part of that too is maybe not offering suggestions or recommendations to your child, but just simply having the conversation. You can ask them like, hey, I have an idea of how you might problem solve here. Would you like to hear what that is? And then they can say yes or no. But a lot of times we try to like 
coach our kids or coach the students we work with when they aren't going to be very receptive to it. And that can just cause other problems farther down the road. So this conversation is all about reflection and a chance for growth, not necessarily a chance to be like, do this, not that. That can be really hard. And that can be really hard in marriage and like romantic partnerships too, especially when the solution is really, really obvious. How you problem solve in a particular situation can be really, really obvious, but the other person has to be there and has to be willing to hear it. Otherwise, what's the point? And just because they may not be open to it in this moment doesn't mean they won't be open to it two months from now, a week from now. Right. They got to get there. They have to get there. This is a very idealistic view of parenting. We will also say that. Yeah. But it is something that we are able to do. One of the things I've often said to parents is, because they'll say to me, like, how are you so patient? How do you not take it personally? Well, I do take it personally sometimes when my learner doesn't problem solve in the way that I know that they know how to do. Mm -hmm. But I didn't create your kid. I love your kid, but I'm not as emotionally reactive, you know? Yeah. I'm going home and thinking about my family too. So that's one of the great byproducts and great reasons to bring in a skilled educational therapist. And that is why we have a lot of students whose parents are teachers of some sort, because you can't teach your own kid because it's emotionally charged and that's okay. Totally true. One other thing I was thinking about is also as parents, you don't necessarily have to have this conversation just because you feel like your kid didn't put in effort into one assignment. I think you can use the formula from an objective point of view, just taking a step back and asking yourself, like, okay, did I see my child engage in the assignment or in the project? Did he or she attempt to problem solve when they got stuck? And if the answer is yes to both of those questions, then they put in some effort. And it doesn't mean that they got an amazing grade or that it's like the best project ever, but it does show that they're trying. And that's what's really important, especially for the young learners that we work with. One foot in front of the other. Yeah. Now, if it's a constant and there's not an increased amount of effort over time, then have the conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Eric, thank you so much for coming back on and joining us for this conversation. Of course. This has been really, really good, I think, as a brain exercise for me to sort of think about this in these terms, because sometimes simplifying a complex idea can really just bring it down to a level that is approachable and digestible, not just for our audience, but for the learners in their lives too. Definitely. Yes. Thank you for having me back. This was great. I hope that you'll have me back on the podcast in the future. Oh, we've already got a plan. <laughs> yes. Say have a great week, Smarties, Eric. Have a great week, Smarties.